Welcome to the Loyal Opposition Podcast, episode number eight. I'm Bernie Flowers, one of Uncle Sam's wayward children. I believe that our country's best days are still in front of us, but if those best days are to come, we need to change the direction of the country right now. I intend to talk about important topics every week in hopes of helping to improve our country and our way of life. So let's get started. Dr. Gregory F. Malvo is an English and literature professor at Montgomery College. He has served as a study abroad coordinator and international education coordinator in higher education for two decades. In addition, he's an accomplished writer. Some of his books include Cross-Cultural Narratives, International Students at U.S. Community Colleges, Study Abroad Opportunities for Community College Students, and Strategies for Global Learning. He also wrote the book, Look Before Leaping, Risks, Liabilities, and Repair of Study Abroad in Higher Education. His commitment to fostering academic success and personal growth has made him a respected figure in the education community, positively impacting, or better yet, impacting the lives and, of countless students. Greg holds a PhD in higher education and administration from Morgan State University. He holds a master's degree from Howard University, and he's an undergraduate of Rutgers University. Without further ado, let's welcome my good friend, Dr. Greg Malvo. Hi, Greg. You believe there is a major contrast between student preparedness and literacy with students today versus the students from 20 years ago. What are the greatest factors that have impacted and influenced the diminished literacy and learning of today's college students? Hmm. Well, first off, uh, Bernie, I want to thank you for having me on your program. It's my pleasure. Appreciate it. Um, and to answer your question, there are a lot of factors, but some of the most pressing issues, I would say, uh, we have a mental and emotional health crisis going on with our students uh, that needs to be addressed that's not been fully addressed. Um, in addition, there are learning disabilities uh, on the rise and um, that is obviously, you know, a contributing factor to the diminished literacy and, and learning uh, that's occurring. And also, uh, I would say another factor is the low attention span uh, that's also been on the rise for our students. And um, I would say even our public school systems, K through 12, uh, there is a certain leniency that's occurred that, again, is not making our students uh, prepared as they need to for college and preparedness for the workforce. So uh, those are some of the major factors that are going on at this point. Yeah. Outstanding. Greg, our second question is, how do first-generation college students in particular fit into the equation with literacy and learning today? Well, even before I go on maybe uh, to that, that second question, I'd like to give you you know, some, some a little bit more details in terms of some of those factors, if I could, in terms of, you know, again, um, diminished student literacy that's occurring. So with that first one, this mental health crisis that's occurring, um, anxiety, depression, suicide, unfortunately, um, this is continued to be on the rise. A lot of people said, well, you know, this was COVID, COVID created 
this 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 terrible storm of these issues. Um, the surgeon general had said that you know watch out, folks. He said this back in uh, the end of 2021. Uh, look out, you know the the suicide rate for young people will increase, uh, and that was correct. But even before that time period, for for the 10 years, there was a rise, an ongoing rise that was occurring in terms of anxiety, depression, and suicides. So we, we can't say it was just a COVID thing. And even after COVID occurred, uh, it was actually in 2022, there was a study, uh, the Mental Health American Group, that said the number of youth who have experienced a major depressive episode increased by 306,000 or 1.24%. And so this is uh, a huge rise from just a year ago. So even after COVID, this, this trend continues. And so um, we really, what we need to do is a potential solution for this is that our, beyond having academic counselors, we need to have counselors in terms of mental health and, and more of them in place to help our students. And uh, with that, it, it can't just be though a counselor-student sort of rapport and relationship. We've got to have transparency between the parent, the teacher, and the counselor. And uh, it's certainly not the job of the counselor and the uh, teacher to try to play parent. If all three are involved with this, then I think it could be successful. But we are going to have to put funding and resources towards more mental health uh, counseling at the K through 12, especially middle school and high school. But that needs to be in place. Um, also, I had mentioned learning disabilities. I'll tell you, my students, um, I would say, well, it's it's one out of every five students now that they say has learning disability, but only 37% of students actually report having a learning disability. So as much of a, uh, you know, an issue it is, we're just scratching the surface. It's much greater than we know. And so with the learning disabilities, particularly um, the highest, I would say, in terms of rate of disability that, that I'm coming across in my 20 plus years of teaching, what, what's been like the major issue now is ADHD, uh, attention deficit and uh, hyperactivity uh, deficiency. And so, you know, these students are, are not able to, to really, you know, do the work as they did before the concentration level. It goes right into this whole idea in terms of low attention span. It's like, which one is it? Is it the, is it the disability or is it the, the low attention span? The low attention span, you know, many uh, say come from uh, social media, and uh, you know it's it's very difficult to demand or ask for your students to um, do a book and a novel and so forth in a course when they are so accustomed to receiving their their information and even doing their research in mere thirty second clips that they will get from YouTube that they will uh, get from uh, TikTok and and students who uh, more and more are coming to me and saying that you know I'm dealing with depression and anxiety and so forth. And I'm finding myself spending three hours on TikTok suddenly. And I, I don't know, I'm not studying, I'm not putting it together. Uh, so social media is part of that sort of equation there as well. And the slow attention span, we really uh, need to try to figure that out. And uh, I, I will say this also, again, a factor being that uh, the standards at the K through 12, and by the way, Maryland has some of the best public schools you know, in, in the state by far. Not a doubt. Yet, yes, yet, you know, we, we, uh, our students are suffering. Our students are not college ready. Our students are not career ready. 
And uh, just to tell you a little bit about that, some of the policies in place, I'm not going to name the counties by name, uh, but we know this is in Maryland. I have students who uh, assume that, that, again, college is a continuation of what goes on in high school. Uh, what's going on in high school now is that you can earn a C grade by attending every course. However, it, it makes no difference in terms of the quality or the quantity of your assignments. As long as you attend every class period, you can earn a C grade. There is wow. no failing grade. Yeah. Um, which not clearly is not. Yeah, yeah. And, and so expectation levels, you know, are not where they need to be. Um, everybody wins. But in real life, that's not always the case. Not at all. The other thing, right? The other thing is that um, these schools, K through 12 in our, in our counties, are, are having this sort of uh, system where they're, they're differentiating between due dates and deadlines. So teachers provide due dates. And we all design our class structure in a way that is most conducive for a student to learn. Uh, through a process, you know, readings are due at a certain point, and that relates to the lecture, uh, homeworks are due, uh, you know, classworks, and so forth. But you have these due dates and, and larger essays. All this is structured in a way so the student gets the most out of the learning process, right? And teachers put a lot forth. We got to respect what they're doing. They put a lot forth to try to create uh, classes over the course of a semester that really assists our students in their education with the curriculum. Those are due dates. However, uh, policymakers or administrators at the schools have decided their deadlines as well. And so overarching deadlines mean that uh, these due dates are almost optional, that the deadline could be as long as you submit your work prior to the end of the semester, then those assignments should be accepted and late. Can you imagine, Bernie, you know, the 11th hour and we all have been tempted to do it as students when we were students ourselves, uh, wanting to take our whole pile of assigned work in mass and just push it towards the professor. Okay, take this now. It's the day before I know class ends, uh, but I'm submitting it all now. Wow. I mean, you can imagine, you know, the ineffectiveness of, of that approach. Um, for one, it's, you know, again, as I explained, for the teacher, uh, it's, it's just totally unfair in terms of they had maybe days or weeks to grade those, you know, individual assignments. Now they have hours. Now it's like become their massive deadline, you know, at the end. And they can't put in the same amount of scrutiny and, and complexity in grading those, you know, then if those assignments had been submitted in the time allotted that the professor had outlined. And it's unfair mostly to the student. I mean, the student... Um, it just does them a total disservice. And, and I have students, again, who come to, to our college who are confused as to well, why, you know, um, can't this be accepted late? Why can't I submit this? The semester's not over and the syllabus is, is not understood or it's ignored, but um, it's, so there are some ongoing things that are happening in the K through 12 level, particularly with the high schools as they're bringing uh, the students in that, that are, are just um, not assisting them at all to be college ready, to be, um, you know, career ready. So these are concerns. Greg, let me take you to another question. I keep hearing in my travels across the state about the Maryland blueprint document has to do with education. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Maryland blueprint 
uh, was something that came into uh, legislation in 2021. The Maryland General Assembly actually uh, put it forth and it was voted in, so it is law. And so all of the, um, the different counties throughout Maryland uh, and the school systems need to actually follow the blueprint and what's outlined in the blueprint. And it has uh, five pillars and each pillar goes into different um, actions or, or, or approaches. And with the blueprint, there is a lot of uh, funding that went towards it. Uh, they increased educational funding by 3.8 billion over the course of 10 years with each year it will eventually be to that level. So a lot of money being put forth to this. So people are very excited about the blueprint and it's gonna have a major impact, I believe, in terms of our school systems uh, throughout Maryland. Each county though was going to follow policies in the blueprint. Some of these policies uh, I see as a concern, others I see as you know potentially very good, but it's a mixed bag, to be honest. Um, I could give you one of each. Uh, in terms of perhaps a concern is this 60-40 split that they have uh, in the blueprint in which teachers will have 60% of their time is instructional time, but then they need to leave 40% non-instructional, right? <laughs> and so, right. <laughs> so you can see where that wow. is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Keep on talking. Keep on educating. So 60% um, instructional, but my question is, what are they going to do with that 40% to make that up? I mean, if you think about it, uh, we have a school day and it's like, for, for lack of uh, exact time, but about seven hours or more, you know, in a school day, mm -hmm. to think that three hours of those days the student or those teachers have to not instruct, I just wonder, well, what are you going to do for three hours in the day for a little over a seven hour day schedule, you know? That's a lot and, of time. And so, it's a lot of time. And yeah. so I understand our teachers oftentimes are overworked, underpaid, uh, but I think that that ratio could be a problem. And it's a problem also because what are you going to do with that 40% where students do need to be instructed and you don't have teachers who are even able to do so because they need to follow the 60-40 split? You're going to have to hire more teachers, likely, and you have to pay more salaries and it's going to get more expensive uh, in general for everybody. So I'm a little concerned about that sort of thing where, where you make that, uh, you know, obligatory. Now, something I do like, though, about the blueprint as well is that I think it's pillar number four, where um, it is an initiative to make students more college ready. So they've decided that rather than 11th grade, 11th grade was always the grade in which they said that a student need to have um, reading competency and, 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 you know, sharp reading. In fact, uh, being at a reading level where they could enter or literacy level in which they could enter college and do a college level courses was 11th grade. Mm -hmm. Well, they want to make it a year earlier and say 10th grade level that students should be able to have the same literacy rate or abilities to be able to start college at 10th grade instead. Wow. So, you know, that's not a bad thing, I think, um, as long as you have counselors in place, academic counselors who can, 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 create the trajectory necessary for students to know, okay, you know, I have to take a few more core classes. I can't take these electives and so forth. So they're really going to have to be on top of that for students to be able to be ready in 10th grade for college uh, as opposed to 11th grade. But, you know, we at the college are looking also to uh, having students coming in and starting their courses. I think it's very smart for students in high school to start to get that exposure. 
uh, to you know college and college level courses with some of the the introductory freshman level uh, writing, you know mathematics, that sort of thing. So we'll see if that works, but but I think that's not a bad idea. Okay, I've got one last question for you, Doc, and this is a big one. Mm -hmm. I hear these rumors. You thinking about running for a seat on the Carroll County School Board? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Is that true? So that is certainly true and wow. i'm very excited about that that you know um and and i absolutely do want to um run for one of those two seats that are, are available uh for a board of education for carroll county and um i'll be doing so i i am i've already committed up here i just have to commit and to you know declare on paper and so forth but um yes absolutely and i'm hoping that my background in education. I have 20 plus years in education. Um, you know, I have a, a child who is in uh, the current K through 12 system now. Uh, and it's funny, it's all there's three different counties that I've had, you know, exposure to. Um, I teach currently in Montgomery County, you know, so I know that system pretty well. Um, my son is in Carroll County, you know, as well. And uh, I'm a product of Howard County Public Schools, so I I, I can kind of like weigh the the, the three. But uh, yes, Carroll County in particular, I'm looking to, uh, and I'm very excited about the the prospect of of running and and doing my best to serve people and making sure that people's uh, taxpayer money and and funding and is is all there, uh, that their school systems stay strong so that their property values don't decline because that's uh, huge. If those school systems decline, even those who don't have children uh, who are in the system, your property values will go down too. So we want to make sure everything is going where it needs to be and we're keeping these schools strong. And we left, actually, we moved from one county to this county, to Carroll County in particular, because for my son, we felt that this was a much better fit for his needs. So I love what they're doing in Carroll County and I want to be uh, a contributing uh, factor in, in, in creating uh, even maybe better uh, with our system. So yes, yes. That is great news. And Greg, Dr. Malvo, you are a force for good and I'm proud to know you. Thank you. And absolutely, thank you. And, and you know what? Um, you're doing amazing things too, Bernie. I, I, I love what you're doing. I love what you stand for. Uh, I love what I'm seeing in the book in terms of, you know, uh, you know, values and so forth and people of color. Um, I'm a product of HBCUs as well. Uh, not undergraduate Rutgers, but, uh, you know, my doctorate was from Morgan State. So I, uh, I appreciate what you're doing. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you too. And I'm going to get you out of here. I just thank you for taking the time to talk to us and uh, just have a great afternoon. And uh, we will talk to you soon, Dr. Malvo. Oh, please, Greg, for you. And uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be on again. I love you your podcast. You certainly keep up the good fight. All right. Tell all our good friends up in Carroll County that Bernie said hello. I sure will. Thank you, Bernie. Right. Thank you, sir. All right. Good night. Well, that's about it for now. This has been the Loyal Opposition Podcast, produced in association with Liberty Arise Media and other podcasters. I ask that you like, share, and subscribe to this podcast and to this channel. 
Be sure to get your copy of my new book, Black Values Matter, available on Amazon or as an ebook on Audible and on Apple Books. And remember, it's okay to disagree, but if we want our country to prosper, we must insist on unity, transparency, and civility from ourselves and our fellow citizens. Thanks for listening to the Loyal Opposition Podcast. See you next week.